Let's turn to Luke chapter number 24 tonight. Luke chapter number 24. It is, I know he was here Sunday, but I wasn't. And uh, But it's so good to see Brother Sean and Miss Monica here. Answer to prayer, and just uh, the Lord really did some great and wonderful things there. And I just saw Anna's here. What are you doing here? But we're glad, glad you're here too, Anna. So, amen. So, happy birthday. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, glad Anna's here. Love Anna. So, uh, Luke chapter number 24, we have looked at uh, getting ready for missions conference. We looked at the passion of missions, which is the burden of God and God's burden to reconcile man and have a relationship with man. Then we saw the perception of missions, uh, which was the concept understand the concept of God's vision and the conveying of God's vision and taking the gospel and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, the message of the death, burial, and the resurrection, which brings us now to the plan of missions, the plan of missions in Luke chapter 24 and in verse number 47, Luke 24, verse number 47, and uh, we're going to cover some, a lot of stuff tonight, encourage you to take some notes and understanding um, just uh, so we can look at these things in the future. But in Luke chapter number 24, and, and uh, well, let's read verse 46, and we'll read 46 to 48. It says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Again, in verse number 47, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The plan of missions. The typical plan in our typical church is that a man's called to preach. He goes off to Bible college, and um, he sees and hears of different needs and feels called to a specific field. And he then, I'm just telling you what's typical, um, in independent Baptist churches, they seek then a mission board, and usually is associated with the college they went to. Uh, then they try to find this is very unscriptural, but then they try to find a sending church, uh, which a lot of times is their college church because it has a big name and uh, helps them with support, um, or a well-known preacher that they want to be sent out from under because again, name carries um, you know value to them and. And uh, then they will, um, some, I even know of some missionaries that uh, they have a home church, an ascending church, and a mission board. And uh, they have all three. Now, those aren't biblical to do that, all right? But I do know that, all right? Then they go on deputation. They spend three to four years on deputation and raising the finances. And, uh, and then a church will uh, take them on as they visit their churches, and, and uh, they will promise to pray for them and send them monthly support, and uh, then they head off to the field. The problem with that typical plan is there's very little connection between the missionary and the church, other than a letter and some finances. And we got to be careful that we don't fall into that, because we, sh we are partnering up with these missionaries. Um. A lot of churches, they are facilitators for missions, but few are participators in mission. I'm going to say it again because it'll make sense, I think. 
A lot of churches are facilitators for missions, but few are participators in mission. And a lot of times there's a disconnect. A church should have a burden. Um, God should lead in the heart of the church. The church should be praying and practicing and, and, uh, and, and looking for areas to send out missionaries. And you say, well, that's not our issue. Well, I hope not. Amen. And uh, how many missionaries do we support? Don't look at your prayer sheet. How many could you name? Where are they serving at? What was their last prayer request? Did you pray over it? It's one thing to facilitate missions. We send money so they can go, but are we participating? There's a big difference. And if we're going to do things biblical, we should be more than a facilitator. We should be a a participator. What should happen is God calls men to preach. The church then trains those men, and, and then those men are directed and, and taught and then sent out, and the Holy Spirit will lead those men in the direction where the Lord wants them to go. In Luke chapter number 24, again in verse number 47, the Bible says that this gospel should, his, should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So, what about the plan? Because there, again, it's not just left up for chance, I may do what you want to. The Bible gives us instructions. And I think it's really important that we look at this, again, and have been, and going into our missions conference, yes. But also, God has given us the great privilege of sending out missionaries, and it's vital and important that every member understands what's going on. That we're not just, you know, well, pastors sending those guys out. No, all right? The church is. And, uh, and the church should be all involved in this. And, and how does missions work? What is the plan? All right? Uh, just uh, two main points under the plan. All right? Lots of subpoints. But the two main points is this. All right? What is the plan? Uh, number one, the plan is this, that we should use the resources that God has given to the church. We use the resources that God has given to the church. God desires us to take the gospel to every human on this earth. That's what it says. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, we are to preach, as it says there, among all nations. How's that possible? Well, God's given to the church all the resources that we need. And God desires us to take this, and, and, uh, and, and churches, uh, we must take and use the resources, and praise the Lord, if it's a biblical church, it has all the resources it needs. All right. See, what are those? I got seven of them. I got to go really quick. All right. But jot them down because these things are important. God has given Kazato Baptist Temple these seven things in order to be able to be involved in missions. All right. Number one is this. Here's the first resource we have. We have the precepts or we have another word of saying that the word of God. All right. Uh, turn over to first Peter chapter number one. We use our Bibles a lot, but that's why that's why we can follow this, because it's, you know, not Travis Burke's philosophy on missions, right? Uh, it's what the Bible says. In First Peter chapter number 1, look at verse number 23, the precepts, all right, or God's word. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse number 23, the Bible says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of God endureth forever. And this 
is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. We are to send forth and preach the gospel to all nations. Amen? To every creature. Amen? And it starts with the word of God. We have in our hands what we need to take and preach to the lost and dying world. We have in our hands everything we need. It gives us the instructions on how to fulfill and to act on the area of missions. So the first resource we need, and praise God we have it, is the Word of God. Second one is this, in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, verse 1 and 2, the second resource that God's given to all of His churches. Number 2 is prayer. Prayer, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful who will, uh, shall establish you and keep you from evil. But brethren, pray for us, the missionary says. The missionary asks for the church to pray for him. Praise the Lord, all of us, amen, have the privilege of prayer. We have the resource of prayer. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. God has called, and it's from uh, the very beginning of, uh, as you see and read of the church in the New Testament, the church continually gathers together and prays. When we read these prayer letters, it is so that we as a church can pray for our missionaries. You ought to pray every day for the sent out missionaries of our church. You ought to bring their name up every day to the Lord. When there's needs, we ought to gather together as a church and pray for them. The missionary says, brethren, pray for us. We have the precepts, we have prayer. In Romans chapter number 10, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13, we have the third resource that God gives to churches in order to uh, plan for missions. But in Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 13, Romans 10 and verse number 13 says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel to peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The fact is this, God has given to his churches, he's given us precepts, he's given us prayer, and he's also, praise the Lord, he's given us preachers. Preachers to go out and preach this. All right? We are blessed at our church. Uh, Brother Harris, Brother Elam, Brother Elam. Uh, we have uh, uh, Brother Hodnett. Uh, we have Brother Alexander. Uh, every one of these men can stand up. They can preach the word of God. What are they? Why did God give us these men? They are to go and to preach this. People can only hear. They only can be saved by hearing the truth, by hearing the gospel. How will they hear without a preacher? How will the preacher go if they're not sent? So God has given us these men, and not just our men, but the men that we stand with and partner with and support. All right, we, we praise the Lord for these men. Brother Lehman out in Thailand, praise the Lord for him. Brother Burbage in Canada, praise the Lord for these men. All right, we're partnering with them so they can preach and bring the gospel. But God has given us precepts, prayer, and preachers, and then he's given us a purse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 15 and 16. A lot of people don't like this point. I understand that, but praise the Lord. Never, never bad issue at our church. I'm thankful for that. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 15, 
In 16, the Bible says, Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things uh, made ready to our hand. Here, what's these verses talking about? That as God increased the faith, they were able to enlarge the missionaries. They were able to bless the missionaries. They were able to give gifts to the missionary. They were able to supply the needs. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit, but it takes money. It takes money to do these things. And God has given to us money. We don't have tons, but you've got money. You have money. And God gives us these things to use for His glory. And God has given to His churches precepts, prayer, preachers, the purse. We have money. He's also given us peers in Romans chapter number 16. Back a few pages. Romans chapter number 16. Uh, I could read this whole chapter, but you'll get the gist as we read it, all right? But in Romans chapter 16, in verse number 3. Romans 16, verse number 3. Are your hands tired yet from moving? All right? That's good. We've got to write these things down, all right? Romans 16, verse number 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my, my what? Helpers. My helpers in Christ Jesus who have for my life laid down their own necks and to whom not only I give thanks, but also to all the churches of the Gentiles. I could go and I could read a lot of this chapter, but you get the idea. Verse number 12, salute Trephina and Trephosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which what? Labored much in the Lord. This whole chapter is filled with people that Paul is recognizing. Everybody look at me. There were people in the church that just wanted to help. They just wanted to serve. They just wanted to get involved. They did what they could do. Aquila and Priscilla would open their house, have services in our house. Others would, I don't have time to read all these names and read other names that Paul tells us about, the peers, the people that uh, just were a blessing. Some helped with clothing, some with lodging, some with food, some with discipling, some with mentoring, some with just opening, uh, again, their life and their businesses and things like that. But the fact is this, God has given to every church people. We're not just sitting and watching these men do it. That's not God's plan. It's to get involved in whatever way we can. It's to actively participate Brother Harris is not our laborer. We are co-laborers. Amen. I mean, that's biblical. It's just churches, a lot of times churches get this idea that, you know, well, we send these men out and we give them money. And so we're reaching the world. We're a facilitator. When God doesn't tell us to be a facilitator, he tells us to be a participator. I give you this statement. I wrote this down on my notes. It's in a different place, but it's on my mind now. God never in the scriptures commanded us to support missionaries. But he commanded us to send missionaries. But we pat ourselves on the back because we support. We need to be actively involved in it. People. People doing things. 
A sixth thing that the Lord's resource the Lord's given to his church is passion. We're in Romans, look over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. A few pages to the right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and in verse number 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 15, Paul said these words. He said, I will, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. You can write down a reference in Jude, verse number 22, you know, some having compassion, making a difference. The sixth thing the Lord's given to the church is passion. Love. We ought to have a love for people, a love for souls, a love for nations, a love for peoples. Because only with the love will you make a difference. If you don't love, difference won't be made. God's given love. So the resources God's given is the precepts, prayer, preachers, the purse, peers, passion. And then this one, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, back a few pages in verse number 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 22. I wrote down this, potential publication. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 22. Paul said, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. The seventh resource that I have here is potential publication. In other words, God's given us different means and opportunities to fulfill our obligation of missions. We live in an age today like no other age. When Paul went to the mission field, these others, they walked. They took a boat. To get from one place to another would take weeks, if not months, years for their trips. It was long, it was tedious. I could leave right now and be with the Hodnuts in nine hours. We live in a different world today. Right now as I speak, the potential is that anyone in the world with a signal can listen to what I'm saying right now. Stop and think about that. That's what people used to say, you know, I would never get on the internet and share these things. I'm just like, you're telling me if you'd have told the Apostle Paul, sir, if you want to sit there and preach, I can send this out and everyone in the world has the opportunity to listen to it. He would have said, nah, no thanks. Of course he would, right? We have opportunities like no one else. Our traveling, when, when Judson and Taylor and these men went to go to the mission field, they didn't go for a few-year term. It was life. They were never turning back. It was just not going to be possible. We today raise enough support, you know, our missionaries, Brother Alexander, he could fly home every weekend if we really wanted him to. We live in that world. We have the internet. We have the opportunities to publish things and print. I mean, like never before. <laughs> We've got so many opportunities, and God's given it to the church. All at our disposal. 
I mean, most everybody who drove in today in a car. Come on, raise your hand. Who drove in in a car today? All right, yeah, all right. I think it's everybody. A few of you are lying. All right, yeah, all right. <laughs> what could Paul have done in a car? He walked Asia Minor and got a lot done. We have so much at our fingertips. And God's given us, we're stewards. God's given us everything we have, and we should be using it for the commission. I'm really quiet tonight, but amen. God's given these things to the church. So we are to use the resources God has given to the church. And then secondly, we are to use the reproducing as God has guided the church. Use the reproducing as God has guided the church. So what do you mean by that? I mean this. Churches begin churches. That is what God has guided in his word. Churches beget Churches. That is the work of missions. Again, we started a few weeks ago in this. Praise the Lord for making clean drinking water and praise the Lord for clothing uh, orphans and all those things are good and that's a good Christian thing to do to love your neighbors and help your friends and that's good. But that's not missions. That's not missions. I love printing of the gospel, but that's not missions. That does a video. But that's not Missions. Missions is going and, and, again, evangelizing, discipling, baptizing, and seeing people grow in the Lord. And we are to reproduce churches as God has instructed the church to do. I I love this. I want you to just follow this with me, all right? Look over in Acts chapter number 8, all right? Follow this with me, what I I mean by this, this reproduce. Again, in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, very familiar passage of Scripture, uh, Matthew Elam just got back from Bible college. So Matthew Elam, why don't you give us Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Oh, he had to look it up. Oh, man. I'm just kidding with you, man. All right, go ahead and read it nice and loud for us there, Brother Matthew, Acts 1, 8. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of it, that was God's commission. That was what they were to do. We're in Acts chapter 8. I want you to watch this real quick. Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at where? That's where we started. Amen? And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of where? Judea and Samaria. All right? So here they are. We have now... In Acts 8 and verse number 1, the church has spread and reproduced itself in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. That's pretty awesome. Let's keep reading. In chapter eight, Acts chapter number 8, verse number 26. Acts 8 and verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. So Philip, the evangelist, remember him, the missionary? Philip has been in Samaria. He's been preaching the gospel, and God tells him to go down in the desert, and he meets there the Ethiopian. He meets the Ethiopian, and the Ethiopian there, uh, he uh, listens to the truth. In verse number 39, it says, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. 
So this Ethiopian gets saved and baptized, and he goes back home to Africa. Guess what he took with him? Yeah, amen. So we're spreading out. Uh, let's keep reading. Uh, verse number 40. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to where? Caesarea, which, by the way, he would stay there, and he would preach there, and a church would be found there. And later, Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Paul and some others would stop there and see him, all right? So we have the church now in this chapter has gone from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Africa, and Caesarea. Chapter number 9, look at verse number 2. And desired of him letters to Damascus, this is Paul, to the synagogues, that if he found any on the way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. The apostle Paul, who at this time is not saved, he's Saul, he's been sent to Damascus. What's his purpose in going to Damascus? To go and arrest Christians. All right, verse number 10 of Acts chapter 9, and there was a certain disciple, we're skipping the Lord, the Lord did Saul get saved, and there was a certain disciple at where? Damascus. There's a believer there. You say, well, what's going on with that, all right? Well, here's here's a believer here in Damascus. Look at verse number 19. And when he had received me, this is uh, Saul, it become Paul, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the what? Which were at? Oh, so now we've gone Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Ethiopia. We've to Caesarea, Damascus, in Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So now we're in Judea and we're added a new place, Galilee. So the church now has grown, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Africa, Caesarea, Damascus, Galilee. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 32, and it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelled at Lydda. So there's saints now, there's believers gathering at Lydda. And verse number 36, now there were at Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha. All right, verse number 42 says the same. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. See what's going on? The church is growing and not just in number at Jerusalem. People are spreading out, going places, and churches and gatherings of saints are gathering together. Churches are being started, as the Lord said. Saints were gathering. If you jump all the way to Acts chapter number... By the way, everything I just read happened in five years. Five years. I'm going to make the statement. I'll come back to it. That can't happen because of Philip. That didn't happen because of Peter. That happened, look at me, because everyone was involved. That's the only way that happened. Everyone was involved. In Acts chapter number 11, and in verse number 19, Acts 11, verse number 19, now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now the church has gone to new places, Cyprus, an island there, Mediterranean, Phinis, Antioch. Antioch, that's a whole other story. They're going to do the same thing that we're reading about the church of Jerusalem doing. But Antioch, Cyprus, and Phinis, 
from Antioch, and I'm not going to go through the scriptures. I, we know that Antioch would send out Paul and Barnabas, later Paul and Silas. It would send out Barnabas and John Mark. But the best that I can find and study and reading other people's with their best guesses too is that within two years, Antioch would start multiple churches and sending these men out too. Within 20 years, we have all these churches that we read about in our epistles as the work of the missionary continued. You say, Paul did that. The saints and the churches did that. Paul couldn't do what we read about by himself. It's not humanly possible. You say, well, Paul led it. Amen. But Timothy had to stay and disciple and work. And Titus would have to stay and disciple and work. And Aquila and Priscilla would stay behind and continue building the church. And the saints of God were traveling and giving in all those people's names that we read and didn't read. Epaphroditus is one of the most unsung heroes in the New Testament. Everyone was involved. The church began to grow. Look at Acts chapter number 19 and verse number 10. Acts chapter 19 and in verse number 10. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles. It's talking about the church of Ephesus. In a space of two years, do we believe the Bible? In two years, Ephesus preached to that all they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, that's not talking about the whole continent of Asia. It's talking about Asia Minor, right? But that's not belittling anything. <laughs> that's amazing. That'd be like God using in two years, because that about this temple, that everyone in the states of Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Pennsylvania heard the word of the Lord. But it happened. It didn't happen because of just Paul. That's not humanly possible. You follow me? That's what I'm trying to get us to, to get a grip with, with tonight is that, you know, we don't just send up people. We need to be participating in this. It's all of our responsibility. And God blessed and did so many things. And again, God didn't just, he didn't command us to support missionaries. He, he commanded the church to send forth missionaries. And every member has to be involved in order to accomplish the kind of results that we are reading about here. Not a handful of men. The churches were involved. So you have the plan of missions, and then I want you to see, number four, the practice of missions. And then we'll only have one more, and we'll wrap it up in two weeks, because next week's missions conference. But the practice of missions. So what do you mean by the practice of missions? These are the actions that were employed in order to achieve the desired outcome. That's a fancy word of saying. This is what they did to accomplish what God told them to do. And these are all scriptural. These are the scriptural means of doing so. Turn back to Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13, verse 1 and 2. says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. 
And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they, they, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. All right? Here we see missionaries being sent out. Everybody with me? So what do we learn from this? What did they do? And we'll get into all the deep details next week, all right? In our, our two weeks, in our last message. But here's what we see they did. This is the practice of missions in a nutshell, biblical nutshell. Ready? First of all... Acts 13, verse 1 and 2, there must be ascending church. There must be ascending church. There must be authority. What church sent these men out? It says in verse number 1, the church where? At Antioch. There must be authority. Um, there must be ascending church. Because the Lord gave the great commission to the church. The men are sent with that authority. They're sent to go. They're sent with the, uh, to observe the ordinances and ministry of the ordinances. They're there to plant the church. But they're sent out of the church. All right? There must be a sending church. In Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1, secondly, there must be a sincere faith. A sincere faith. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. There's people, in verse number 2, it says, as they ministered to the Lord. A sincere faith. Here are men that God would send out, and they weren't sitting around twiddling their thumbs. These were men who were preaching. They were teaching. They were ministering. Um, they, they were involved in trying to work within the church and the Lord, again, the practice of missions, these are, these are real men, right? These are people of faith. And by the way, the church at Antioch, they knew these men. You with me? They were ministering there in the church. The people had watched their faith. The people had watched their actions. They had fellowshiped with them. They knew their heart. They knew their character. They knew their doctrine. They knew these men to be a sincere faith. They knew these men to, and there was a bond there, a connection there. Because these men hadn't just shown up one, one Sunday and the next Sunday being sent out. They had preached, they had taught. And they had ministered in the church. The church knew of their sincere faith. That is why I'm just being extremely, as your pastor, as blunt as I can, because might as well just speak truth. Amen? Amen. That's why there's a really closer connection to Brother Harris. And even when we sent out Brother Roberts because they sat in their seats they ministered they taught they preached they put up these walls they painted they ate they laughed with us they cried with us we watched them grow and there's more of a struggle with Brother Hodnett and Brother Elam 
haven't had that opportunity as deep. No, it wasn't like we didn't know them. We supported them for quite a while. But people like Brother Sean, he has an advantage even over his father right now in that he can spend some time. And it's his obligation. The Lord called you to mission field, Brother Sean. It's his obligation to build relationships with the church, that the church may watch his faith, his character, his life, his doctrine. I'm not belittling the others. They are true and right, or else we wouldn't be supporting them, much less sending them out. But it's, if there's a struggle, it's because we didn't see that as closely as the others. And I've tried to express that to Brother Alexander. I have a mission trip to go over to Colorado. Took 14, 15, a couple times. Took a group down to Florida and me and Brother Fountain. That's not a slap at Brother Alexander. There's just not a connection like the others. You say, this is awkward, Brother Elam's sitting in here. I've already talked to Brother Elam about this, right? But so what do we do? Invest in these men. And these men need to invest in you. And to build this relationship. That there's a confidence, not that there's not, in a sincere faith. These men had served. They had been there. So you have here, what we see here, ascending church, a sincere faith, and then you have spending money. It took money. Say, I don't see money anywhere in this passage. Well, look, verse number four. And they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. It wasn't free. The Roman Empire didn't have free transportation. It cost money. They had to pay for these things. They, there was a cost to them traveling. And they continued to travel. The cost never ended. Um, I, I'll read you, you know, the turn there, but if you want to jot the reference down, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. There was distribution made. There was giving made. I want to give you just a, a quick summary on, you know, I could, we could talk about this a long time and they can get a lot more details if you want it from these men. But um, when we send out missionaries, we should be conscious of their physical needs, their family needs, and their ministry needs. I've already talked to Brother Hodnett about this, that uh, he's under-supported. And uh, he just wanted to get out there, and things weren't really checked whenever he first went out years and years ago. And uh, I didn't know what his income was. It wasn't our business at the time. And then when I found out, I said, what are you, life insurance? Transportation? Ministry? They're getting by, barely. So he's going to need to raise some more support. 
these missionaries living high on the hog. He's not. But it's right for their physical, their family needs, and their ministry needs to be taken care of. Just consider traveling to the field. What do you think it costs? For Brother Hodnett and Ginger Hodnett and three children and all their things to go overseas. Couple thousand? <laughs> Twelve? Thirteen thousand? No, not this last trip, but when they moved over there, you move all your stuff? I'm not going to put him on the spot, but again, God's helping all of us in this. But I wonder how much it cost Brother Elam to bring everything that they could from Russia to here. Why don't you ask him after church? Did we think about it? The cost. When they get to the field, they have to have housing. They need to eat. They need clothes. Their shoes wear out too. And kids keep growing. They have to travel. They need insurance. They need retirement. They need house repairs and supplies and medical issues and little things, schooling. You know how expensive it is to get all the books and manuals? He said, well, we have a school, share with them. I can't send them my teacher books. We kind of need those. So they don't just buy curriculum, which is already expensive, and every parent said amen, right? They don't, they don't just buy curriculum. They have to buy all the teacher books, all the maps, all the whatevers. you want to know how much that costs, let me know. I'll tell you. So if you see, oh, Pastor, you gave Brother Hodnett, you, you paid for $200 of teacher books for him. Yeah. We did. Because we should have an investment in this. Depending on where they live, a missionary somewhere two to seven thousand dollars a month depending where they live where's that money come from faith absolutely I believe you can study life of Paul I believe you can expect the income to come from ascending church we should be first and foremost in seeing that needs are being given and sacrificed I believe you can expect it from supporting churches I also believe that you, if you study the, what Paul's life in ministry, and I think it's something that we should see and expect as our churches continue to be established and grow in our church, uh, that uh, it only comes, support comes from supporting churches and then sending church, but also established churches. I think it's awesome. Brother Harris in the church down in Mexico will support some. Brother Salih helps support. That's a wonderful thing. That they can take on and be a help. There's also, we see this in the life of Paul, the monies came from self-sacrifice. I believe it's pretty much probably accepted and understood that the Apostle Paul came from a family that had some, some money. He didn't have the privileges he had without doing that. But we also know this, that he had to do some self-income. He had to make tents and work. And he wasn't afraid to do that. Because God had called him to do that. 
my point is this. The plan of missions is this. There must be a sending church. There must be a sincere faith. And there must be spending money. It costs money. And sometimes we just think, well, they're going to the field. How much do they need? Well, if you stop and think about it and you really think about it, you say, well, they, they, they have more income than I do. Well, you're not also running an entire church and praying for rent for a church and all the tracks for a church and all the supplies for a church and meeting all the needs of the church and, and paying the lights for the church. And there's a whole lot more to it than them living in a house. That's what the funds are for. And uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like, I don't want to take the wrong idea. I'm not like rebuking anyone. I'm just trying to teach. These, these are real needs. And, and it's what we see. There's, there's needs. Uh, lastly, there's, uh, again, the practice of missions is there must be a sending church of sincere faith, spending money, and then spirit leadership. In Acts 13 and verse number 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. The church laid their hands on them and separated them and sent them out, but it's the Holy Spirit that guided them. The church sends forth the missionary or the evangelist, and unto him be glory in the church. They send out the missionary with the authority. They send out the missionary with prayer. They send out the missionary with financial support. And then the Spirit of God will lead them. The Spirit of God will direct them where to preach. Verse number 6, And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer and a prophet, a Jew named Bar-Jesus. But they were led directed where to go, where to preach. The Lord led Philip, the evangelist, in Acts chapter number 8. The Lord told him where to go, Samaria, then to the desert, and then to Caesarea. Sometimes it's, again, how does, how does the Holy Spirit lead? If you just want to jot these down, I know i got to close. But how does the Holy Spirit lead in the Bible? I'm just telling you what again what, what we see in the Bible sometimes it's by the Lord the Holy Spirit will use familiarity familiarity what do you mean one of the first places they went Paul and Barnabas and one of the places they would go is Cyprus you know who's from Cyprus Barnabas and the Holy Spirit would put a desire in his heart to go back to where he's from and preach the gospel Sometime it's through just testing. Um, again, if you want to jot it down, but Acts chapter 16 and verse number 7. Um, just to, says, and th- when they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They prayed, should we go here? And the Holy Spirit said, no. So they asked. I wrote a test, I know what other word to put, but they sought the Holy Spirit. We, should we go here? No. Sometimes it's through a calling in chapter 16 and verse number 9, uh, the Macedonian vision, and the, and the Lord speaks, and Holy Spirit will lead, and they know they need to go to a place where someone reaches out and needs that, and the Holy Spirit will use that. Sometimes in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 5 through 9, a great effectual door, an open door, the Holy Spirit will use that. Sometimes in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 16, it's just a burden placed on the heart, a burden calling and, and the fact that they God puts a burden for these people upon their heart that they cannot get away from. Sometimes in, in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 46, the Spirit leads to rejection. Paul went to Athens. 
No one listened. So Paul left. Sometimes all you can do is shake the dust off your feet and go forward. Sometimes in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 20, it's, he said he wanted to, Paul was led to go where the gospel had not yet been preached. God places an unreached area on the heart. That's not exhaustive, but it gives you an idea. But the Holy Spirit is the one that led in every time. He may use different circumstances, but he'll lead. So you have missions. And um, I hope, if anything, it gives us something to really pray about and think about. We really search ourselves as individuals and as a church. Because this is missions in the Bible. All I did was read scripture. Amen? A lot of it. That's what you see. And um, that's what God desires for Kazan about his temple. Missions. We'll do one last in a couple weeks and look at how the work is actually done. But let's pray. Father, Lord,